Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Keeping Up with the G-Men. I'm your host Christian Morell. I have my co-host Anthony Rivardo, and we also have a special guest today, Danny King from the Talking Giants podcast. Danny, how's it going? It's going good guys, thanks for having me on today. Absolutely, we're glad to have you. And uh, the initial 53-man roster just came out, but uh, Anthony, there's some news, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Fan favorite wide receiver Alonzo Russell just got cut. Uh, he made the initial 53 yesterday, but uh, not not so good today. He was cut in favor of Bengals wide receiver Cody Core, and also the Giants just placed Sam Beal on injured reserve. He will not be able to return until week six, and just another big blow. Yeah, it definitely is. And, yeah, like you were saying, a lot of people like Alonzo Russell. Uh, Danny, is that a guy you were a fan of? I, I was a fan of Alonzo Russell. I even put him on my uh, initial 53-man roster because I believe he, he, he fought for that roster spot. He earned it, in my opinion, over the likes of T.J. Jones. But when you look at it, I mean, maybe the Cody Core move makes more sense because he can't be the punt return guy. Alonzo Russell, he really wasn't used in that position. So while I'm not angry about uh, Cody Core being signed, I believe he could be a contributor in that aspect. I'm just sad to see Alonzo Russell go just because he really earned that spot, and to lose it after a day just really stinks. Yeah, I completely agree. I was rooting hard for Alonzo Russell throughout the offseason. He was looking really good in training camp, and then, of course, um, he didn't really get a whole lot of targets the first three weeks of preseason, but he was getting open, and he had that one touchdown saving tackle. And then, of course, week four, he secured two touchdown receptions, including the game winner. And I thought that he locked his job in. It's just it's pretty disappointing. I, he was someone that I was really rooting hard for, and I'm upset to see him get cut. Yeah, I thought it was too bad because he really thrived in every phase of the game, you know, not just catching passes, but blocking and even tackling when he had to. But I guess, you know, playing right through into the fourth quarter maybe should have told us something. I mean, yeah, you could argue that. But, I mean, maybe it's be. I mean, I'm just with you. Maybe playing to the fourth quarter should have been signed. But the moment they cut the lights of tj jones and uh reggie well reggie white never really was going to be on the active roster but tj jones was a guy that a lot of people thought would make the roster and the moment he got cut i was like man Alonzo russell's probably going to make this team and then he did initially but then obviously plans changed and when they saw cody core they probably just couldn't pass up on that or maybe he just never was going to be an option they just kept him for some reason i don't know yeah and i know the Bengals really liked cody core but you know they have a they have a decent receiving core themselves so uh you know, they didn't necessarily need him, and maybe he's maybe he's a nice value. Yeah, and Cody Core and Alonzo Russell are pretty similar. They're both big body, decent speed receivers, so they kind of just got rid of one red zone threat for another, but I just wish that they would have stuck with the in-house talent instead. I definitely agree. So, Danny, who are some of your some of your favorite guys who probably snuck onto the back end of the roster? Uh, well, from what it looked like in the beginning of the year, I'm going to say B.J. Goodson. He was, in the first game, he played with basically the nobodies or the guys that really didn't stand a chance of making this roster. And then he finally, he crept up into the depth chart and was able to get more and more playing time as the weeks went on. And then especially in that week three of the Bengals game is when I was really like, you, you can't cut B.J. Goodson. He played with so much heart, and he showed that in the fourth preseason game. So I'm happy B.J. Goodson's on this roster because many people want, obviously, are not a fan of Nate's 
Stupar. Well, I'm not. Well, yes, he can't tackle. I'm a fan of Nate Stupar, especially what he brings to the special team side of the ball. But I'm more than happy with keeping him and uh, BJ Goodson on this roster. Yeah, I know Nate Stupar's, uh, you know, slew of missed tackles within like a 10 minute span, it seemed like, you know. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of other things he's he's decent at. And I, I do like him for special teams as well. But, yeah, BJ Goodson, uh, I think he's definitely a step above what's on the what's on the market so you know I, I have my concerns about this unit anyway so I, i'm definitely a fan of that anthony what do you think yeah i'm happy you brought up the market because a lot of people on twitter have just been tweeting out saying that they want the giants to go after this veteran linebacker that got cut and this one i'm really happy that kiko alonso got traded to the saints because that's a player that i wanted the giants to stay away from despite what a lot of people on twitter thought and same with brandon marshall who got cut by the, the broncos um i just don't see the point in signing another veteran linebacker Alec Ogletree, I don't think he performs too well, and he's a veteran linebacker that we're paying a lot of money for already. I, I think keeping B.J. Goodson and Connolly and Tay Davis, that's the right move. Just keep the in-house talent. It's young. It's got potential, and who knows? Maybe they can turn it around, uh, B.J. Goodson, that is. Maybe he can turn around and become a pretty good player. I just don't see the point in wasting money on a washed-up veteran. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I, I'm not a fan— Kiko Alonso, he's just a dirty player. I mean, we saw some of the hits he does. Who knows if he would even be out there some days because with, like, how strict NFL is nowadays, maybe he would get a bunch of fines and it could even lead to a suspension. So I'm with you. I'm fine with the guy. While they're not the greatest group of linebackers you'll see in the NFL, they have the potential to develop into something. Obviously, mainly Ryan Connolly, Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Ximenez, and P.J. Goodson because it, it's a contract year for him because he's going to basically go on and perform for other teams because – I don't think the Giants are going to bring him back because they don't seem like the biggest fans of him, but he's on the 53, so I believe B.J. Goodson's going to be playing full of fire underneath him this year, knowing that he could get a lot of money next year. Yeah, and I think if something happened to Ogletree, he could end up in a uh, a pretty big role. But I think he's very he's a very strong fourth linebacker when you're really looking at the depth chart. I don't I don't think many teams have a fourth linebacker like B.J. Goodson. Yeah, the Giants don't have many they don't have a complete starter at middle linebacker, I don't think. I don't really think Al Tree should be that guy, but I guess they do have some pretty decent depth and some young guys that have potential. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it seemed like tight end was a really strong position throughout camp. So, uh, so Danny, what do you what do you think about the tight ends they kept? Are you glad they they kept Garrett Dickerson? I was more of a fan of Garrett Dickerson than C.J. Conrad. While on Talk of Giants, we did hype up C.J. Conrad. Uh, Garrett Dickerson impressed me more throughout the preseason, but I, I, this is not a bold take, but I would much rather have Scott Simonson than Garrett Dickerson, and it just sucks seeing Simonson go down with that high ankle sprain and uh, him getting placed on the IR before the initial cutdown, so he's not eligible to return this year. So uh, Garrett Dickerson is in a big opportunity to go out there and succeed with the Giants, but he also – C.J. Conrad is on practice squad, so the Giants aren't like what uh, Garrett Dickerson is bringing to the table. They could just bring up C.J. Conrad because before it was going to be Red Ellison and Scott Simonson as that block and tight end duo, and now with only Red Ellison, I we really don't know how much block and Garrett Dickerson can bring to the table because that's not Evan Ingram's strong suit. So uh, Dickerson's got to go out there and perform every Sunday because Conrad's right there. Yeah, and what do you think of Dickerson's blocking ability specifically? Um, it, It's a uh, meh. It, it, 
I would Scott Simons is much better than him than Dickerson. Uh, Di- he, he has had some good blocks, but if you had to give me two options between Red Ellison and Garrett Dickerson or Red Ellison Scott Simonson, I'd rather take that duo because we know what Scott Simonson can bring in a regular season game. He helped open up some blocks last year for Saquon, him and Ellison. So while I'm not blown away, I don't want to jump to conclusions on Dickerson since he he'll be getting some he'll be getting some valuable playing time in Week One because Evan Ingram, as I said, that's not a strong suit run blocking. Yeah, and the thing is, he's six three and two forty eight. So what that tells me is the Giants really value having a receiving tight end this year. And if something happens to Ingram, he should really kind of yeah, he's obviously not dynamic the way Ingram is, but I think you know they're really valuing the tight end being a receiving threat, and that's why they're okay having a another tight end that's in the 240s. Oh, yeah, easily. That's why they need him in the 240s. So, uh, Anthony, what do you think of the tight end situation? It was just really disappointing to see Scott Simonson go down. I mean, it was a tremendous catch on that touchdown pass where he got injured, and, of course, he is a better blocker, so it's another just big blow at the end of preseason, and I really wish that we could see Scott Simonson this year, but he's done for the year, and um, I, I, I kind of did like C.J. Conrad. I, I wish that he would have made the um, the 53, but I understand why he didn't, so... Um, I'm just really hoping that Evan Engram and Red Ellison can stay healthy and that we don't have to see too much of uh, Dickerson. Yeah, hopefully that's the case. But, you know, in those run-heavy sets, I just, you know, I'm not quite as excited having Dickerson be in the, the other tight end there. But, um, so, Danny, are you happy about the running backs that made the team? I know some people weren't the biggest fan of Paul Perkins. Uh, I was more impressed with Rod Smith, but obviously with uh... – Ross Smith having that abductor injury, there was no chance he would make this roster, and it was it was Paul Perkins' job right there because Elijah Penny is going to be utilizing that fullback role because Pat Shermer has always had a true fullback on his roster. While Penny wasn't groomed to be a fullback last year, he proved he can be a fullback because he has that running ability, the catching ability, but he can also lay some nasty blocks to help free up Saquon. I was a fan of Elijah Penny because Shane Smith in that, uh, what was it, week one of the Dallas game, or week two, whenever it was, he was awful. He blew so many opportunities and allowed so many sacks on Eli. So uh, Elijah Penny is easily the uh, big upgrade over Shane Smith, and, I, and I'm happy with the group in general. But Perkins, uh, people are high on him. I'm not blown away by him. I wasn't blown away by Rod Smith either, so it was really a lose-lose at running back free, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, Gallman's probably going to get the uh, the lion's share of anything after Barkley. You know, God forbid Barkley has to miss any games, but... You know, the third running back probably won't be a, a huge impact on the team. Yeah, I wasn't too blown away with Perkins or Smith either. And uh, the, a lot of running backs around the league got cut who performed probably better than any uh, anybody on the Giants that was competing for that third spot. So I really wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, claim, claim someone off the waiver wire. All right, so Danny... Uh, are you a big fan of Corey Ballantyne? I know most people like him, but uh, I think with the kind of preseason he had, he has a chance to go into 2020 as a starter. What do you think of that? Oh, no, I'm a huge fan of Corey Ballantyne. When we first drafted him, I was, um, like most people, who who is Corey Ballantyne? Some guy from Washburn. But going out there and doing what he did the preseason, he and just in training camp in general, he really made a statement because it was almost like because we had to wait for him because obviously with that uh, in that shooting he happened on draft night, he was injured and we couldn't see him for all of off season. When he finally came in in training camp, 
he made a statement known. I mean, he was really Daniel Jones's kryptonite throughout training camp. He had his first pick on me and a few more after that. So, and in that Jets game with uh, he had a pick. I forgot exactly which game. I I want to say the Jets. But I, I'm just a huge fan of Corey Ballantyne, and even if he doesn't make the Giants, like say he doesn't work out, I'll be rooting for him just because of his story and what what happened. But I'm with you. He could easily be a starter in 2020 because a, a, the feeling is I feel like Jenkins won't be around next year because they, they can go to the, the younger group of guys but have Jenkins train them. But it, no matter what, I feel like Ballantyne will uh, ultimately have a successful career with the Giants. And even this year with Sam Beal going on IR, who knows how long that will be. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't really see Sam Beal at all, even though he's eligible to return halfway through the season. Yeah, and Sam Beal's injury really opens up an opportunity for Corey Ballantyne, who I'm also a huge fan of. Um, One thing that I really noticed about Corey Ballantyne is his ability to turn his head around, because I know we all remember watching Eli Apple constantly just stay stride for stride and never turn his head around and let up a big play, but Corey Ballantyne showed against the Jets when he got that interception. He's going to turn his head around, and he's going to locate that ball and make a play. So I think that is just a special trait to see from six-round rookie in the preseason, and I think he's really got a shot to be a starting-level cornerback in this league. Yeah, I'm thinking as soon as 2020. So uh, I, I guess my last question for you, Danny, is going to be, uh, are you glad that Alex Tanny made the team, and did you even want a third quarterback at all? If it, no, I'm not happy he made the team. If if we did have three quarterbacks, I wanted it to be Kyle Laletta. Now, I know Kyle Laletta, yes, in that game-winning drive, it wasn't the prettiest. He had a few balls that should have been intercepted, and just in general in that game. But uh, I would have gone with two QBs at that point. I mean, maybe he could keep Tanny so him he could teach Jones some things because that almost what like, Tanny's role was last year trying to teach Laletta. But if we were to keep a third QB, I would have rather it be Laletta, uh, not Tanny, because let's be real, like, if if it, Eli Max goes down, it's going to Alex Tanny. And if Daniel Jones goes down, then at that point we're screwed. I'd rather just see Laletta over Tanny. But, yeah, I, I would have just gone with two QBs, in my opinion. Yeah, to be honest, I hate using a roster spot as a half-coach, half-reserve player. Uh, you know, especially when Pat Shermer is a – quarterback specialist himself you know he really doesn't need Alex Tanny's two cents I don't I don't think but you know hopefully there's gonna be another player freed up that is is too hard to pass up on and they end up letting go of Tanny yeah one thing that really scares me about having Tanny on this roster is what if Eli is playing really poorly or god forbid goes down with an injury are they going to put Daniel Jones out there like they should or are they going to put Alex Tanny out there? And I know that there would be a revolution if Alex Tanny goes out there. And I don't want to see Tanny ever play in a regular season game for the Giants if we're in that situation. So I, I, it's just having him on the roster creates just another scary situation because I don't want to see him play. I just want Daniel Jones to play if Eli isn't. Yeah, I, I I don't think Pat Sherman's gonna pull a Ben McAdoo and like when because when Ben McAdoo put in Geno Smith, that was his uh, seal of fate right there. At that point, you should have put in Davis Webb because you know Geno Smith's not your answer, and it's the same here. Alex Tanny's not the answer. You just put Daniel Jones and you just throw him into the fire at that point. If Eli goes down or if he's just awful, don't even just go to Jones because at that point you're just delaying the inevitable. Because Jones will play if Tanny goes in because Tanny's not good. Jones is better than him. Yeah, that's a good point there. Uh, hope Shermer doesn't fall for the McAdoo bait. 
Um, all right, so Danny, before we let you go, give me your season prediction for the record. I know I didn't give you any time to prepare for this, so this will be interesting. Well, I mean, obviously the fan in me is telling me sixteen and zero, but it, like realistically, <laughs> this this team has this team has all the potential to be a good team, especially with the the schedule not being the hardest in the world, and maybe that could make the defense look good with some of the teams we play, but. I believe this team will be better than whatever we're five and eleven. I say we're going to be at least at a five hundred or above. So I'm going to say eight and eight to be safe. All right, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, it's, it looks like their roster has upgraded somewhat. I mean, how much is hard to tell because there's a lot of young players. But yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's a that's a fair prediction. I personally, I'm not too confident i'm a little more of a pessimist i don't think they're gonna go even i think probably six and ten is where i see them i just feel like there's still a few holes here and there that need to get patched up before they can even become a playoff bubble team yeah i i could see it you know ranging a little bit but i could i could see them having at least a a 500 season if things break their way well danny we really appreciate you uh coming on today so um Hopefully we'll catch up with you again during the season. All right, everybody, that was Danny King from the Talking Giants podcast. Him and Bobby Skinner do some great work over there. All right, Anthony, let's get into week one a little bit. Uh, we pretty much covered the roster, all the notable moves. Uh, it seems like Zeke won- it seems like Zeke is going to be available week one here. Uh, what do you? What do you think is going to happen there? Well, it looks like him and uh, Dallas have made serious progress on a contract, and their negotiations have apparently uh, gone pretty well over the past day or so. So it looks like he's going to get that contract by Tuesday at the latest, is what they're saying. And that means he will be suiting up week one against the Giants. Um, it's pretty unfortunate. I know a lot of Giants fans were expecting uh, a game against the the Cowboys without Ezekiel Elliott and that's what I was really hoping for because obviously our chances of winning just skyrocket if he's not playing so I'm pretty disappointed to see that he's about to get that contract so um yeah but it just is what it is I mean it would have been in the situation where if we beat them without Zeke the Cowboys fans are going to say we didn't have Zeke but now if we beat them at least they don't really have an excuse I'll sign up for that win with the excuse of we didn't have Zeke right now. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> but um, I w- yeah, but yeah, the Cowboys did only keep three running backs, so it seems or no, they actually have uh, they have two on the roster right now: Pollard and Alfred Morris. So um, you know, it really looks like they're confident in him coming back. But the Giants should have a pretty decent uh, front against the run this year with with Lawrence Tomlinson and B.J. Hill, so I I expect them to give them a good fight. Yeah, I definitely do, too. I really I love the Giants' defensive line. I think there's a lot of young talent and great potential there, and obviously Tomlinson is just one of the quiet superstars in the in the league. He's a great run-defending uh, defensive tackle, and I, I that's not really the problem, though. It's more of just 
there's no problem on the Giants' defensive line uh, matching up with Ezekiel Elliott, but the Cowboys do have a great offensive line. And then once you get past the defensive line, the Giants' linebackers, they're probably more of the problem. And, you know, it's Ezekiel Elliott versus the Giants. He, he Sometimes he has a great game. Sometimes we do shut him down, and I'm hoping this is one of the times where we just shut him down somehow. Well, that first year, they really, uh, they really did it. Well, it was really yeah. the first game. He had uh, not even 60 rushing yards on, like, 20-something attempts. And then right. in that second game, he ran a little better, but the, the field position didn't really allow his runs to, you know, to really make much of an impact. And that's why they ended up winning the second game, too. But I think the last couple of years, he's really gotten us. Yeah, I'll say one of the big reasons that uh, the Giants have had success against Ezekiel Elliott really was because of Landon Collins. And I know we all have our criticisms of Landon Collins now, but when he was on the Giants, he was an excellent run defender. And he was always excited for the Cowboys matchup because he always got back there in the backfield and was just banging heads with Zeke and stuffing him on some plays, saving some touchdown potential plays. And that's what we need to see out of Jabril Peppers in week one. We need to see, can he fill that Landon Collins role? But also, he obviously needs to provide uh, more in coverage. But I definitely want to see if he can fill that uh, run defense role that Landon Collins filled. Yeah, I think he will be the answer to it for part of the time, but not always. Because like you said, he needs to cover a little more. And I think they're going to you know, really have a lot of variety in the way they use Jabril Peppers. So, you know, I think for part of the game, yeah, he's your answer for who's filling Landon's role. But it might even be a guy like Michael Thomas when Peppers is busy doing other stuff. Yeah, it definitely could be. And it even could be Tay Davis or Ryan Connolly, you know, some of our better uh, shooting the gap linebackers who are young and got some speed. So I think that they can definitely find a way to fill in for um, – obviously missing Landon Collins, but I just, I'm hoping to see a lot out of Jabril Peppers in week one. Uh, I know he had that one, that one uh, touchdown that he let up in the preseason that got fans a little bit nervous, but I, I'm, I'm still pretty confident in him. I know that they're going to use him as a Swiss army knife and I'm just really excited to see him get to work in week one. Yeah, me too. Um, I really just can't wait to see this game. I mean, it's, it's one week away. It's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. But as far as the secondary, I do want to warn everybody, this is a pretty young unit. I mean, I know, you know, Bethea and Peppers are, you know, proven at this point, but you're going to have Baker on the field if, you know, if he's ready to go. Uh, Julian Love will probably be playing to a certain extent. So, you know, I think the front seven is really going to have to uh, make up for that. Yeah, there's a lot of inexperience in our secondary. Obviously, you said Baker, if he plays, Julian Love. Also, Corey Ballantyne, I feel like we'll get a, a decent amount of playing time uh, in the regular season. And also, Grant Haley is only entering his second season. Um, he, he did prove himself quite, quite well last year. Uh, I think he's a really great slot cornerback. But, yeah, there's a lot of inexperience in the secondary. And it's just... It's really, I'm excited to see how the front seven can kind of 
bandage that because we do have Dexter Lawrence now, and I think he is a great interior pass rusher, but he does have a pretty tough matchup against the Cowboys, obviously, with their awesome offensive line and Zach Martin, uh, if Travis Frederick is back, then just makes things difficult for the Giants' defensive line. So they're going to have to play together as a unit, and one's going to have to help the other out and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the offense is, you know, obviously going to run through Barkley, but I think they're really going to have to because that is a good secondary and that is a good pass rush on the other side. And they're really going to have to neutralize both of those, those, you know, areas of the Dallas, Dallas team. So, yeah, they really do have a good defense. I hate to admit it because of course I'm a Giants fan. I absolutely hate the Cowboys, but you know, they've got Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch, who are great linebackers, and that's going to be a problem with the run game and the pass game because they're both pretty athletic. And then, of course, they've got um, Byron Jones, Anthony Brown, they've, and, yeah, they've got Eli's biggest enemy at this point, Demarcus Lawrence, pass rushing. So the Giants really do have a tough divisional matchup to start the season but if somehow we can get a win that's just going to mean a lot and it's going to show that the Giants maybe do have a fighting chance this year yeah I mean it's I think they're going to have to you know be run heavy and you know really work off of the play action because and the, the tough thing about that is they have really good linebackers too I mean it's just I don't know if there's really a weakness you can really go after with this defense yeah, it's. I don't know if they're going to be able to attack a weakness. I think the Giants are just going to have to play a really sound, uh, consistent, turnover-free offensive game. And of course, that's going to be running through Barkley. And Barkley's got to touch the ball a lot right off the bat in week one. And, you know, it's really going to come down to the offensive line. It needs to perform in week one. They, they have to be performing in run game and pass game because – we can't see Eli get sacked twice by Demarcus Lawrence and have to deal with him talking all of his smack on Twitter. And obviously Saquon is going to go as far as the offensive line gets him. So we've made some really big improvements on the offensive line this offseason, but we need to see them perform this week. Well, I do think one of our advantages is that you're either getting Tony Pollard, a rookie who's never played in the NFL, or you're getting Zeke, who, you know, while he's Zeke, he has not worn a football uniform since January. So <laughs> I don't think he's going to be the, the same old Zeke. Yeah, I'm, and that's definitely going to work to the Giants' advantage. That I, I don't think the Cowboys are going to have just crazy run, run attack to start the season. I mean, they do start the season slow uh, pretty often anyway, but obviously we've got we're going to watch Dak entering a really, really important season. And, you know, it, it would be big for him to come out in week one and make a statement and throw into um, Amari Cooper. And now they got Jason Witten back too. So Giants fans have to worry about seeing Jason Witten somehow get wide open in the end zone three times and, like, good old times, right? And oh, Yeah, God. it's it's going to be a tough, tough matchup. I can't stand that guy. I can't believe he's back. I know. Yeah, it Ugh. was like a nightmare come true. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, um, yeah, I think the matchup is going to be a close one because it usually is. I mean, it's usually decided by one possession. 
and hopefully they can get their second win against against Dallas in a in a season opening game. Yeah, I'm just really um I'm really skeptical this week. Uh, I know I'm really, really excited to watch the Giants play again. It's been so long, and, you know, all Giants fans are, but it, it's a little, like, we kind of got to temper our expectations. I mean, it's it's a tough, tough matchup, so I'm not going in expecting us to win. I'm hoping that we do, of course, but I'm not expecting us to go out there and get this win. It's just it's going to be a tough one, and I hope that it's a good, close game and somehow we can – find their way on top but it's it's really going to be tough well we probably weren't expecting it in 2016 when they won by i think it was was it one or two points it wasn't even by a whole field goal yeah i mean definitely i think it was a two-point game um that's the season that terrence williams went down in bounds right yeah and you know he was at like the he, he didn't even reach the 40 yard line yet so while they like to cry about that he was their kicker was going to have to reach like 60 something yards. So, right. I mean, it pushing 70 yards. Okay. I mean, he was, he was not even at the 40 yet, but, um, but yeah, last year we had our, our year off from opening in Dallas because Roger Goodell and Jerry Jones were, you know, in a little bit of a feud. So, so they didn't get their opener against us, but now those two are okay again. So we're opening in Dallas. Yeah, the tradition's back on strong. I, I, I do personally love the um, the tradition of facing Dallas week one. Because, oh, really? Yeah, those those games are just always so intense, and it's a great way to start off the season to me. I just I love division rival games. There's nothing more intense and important than those games. So watching week one right off the bat, we've got one of the most important games of the season, arguably. That's always just fun. It makes it a lot more intense and players play harder and it's just yeah i actually am one of the few who loves that tradition well my thing is unless dallas won the super bowl which hasn't happened in like 40 years um, <laughs> right <laughs> they shouldn't just be automatically gifted the the home game for the opener against the giants every year i mean what what what's going on there you know yeah, I mean, that's that's a really fair argument. I definitely think that it should maybe alternate each year. Sometimes the Giants have it at home. Sometimes the Cowboys have it at home. But, you know, um, I'm just – I love the matchup, uh, Giants-Cowboys. That's more of what I was focusing on. And, you know, the first few years of that stadium, Eli was, like, undefeated there for the first three years. And it's just in recent, recent history it hasn't gone so well when we put head over there. But – you know, there's been a lot of great matchups and entertaining games that have gone down in AT&T Stadium. So it's we've come out on top on a few of them. So I'm I'm not too upset about that. I just I'm ready for the fun matchup. No, I hear you, and I think at this point they're three and three in that stadium. So you know, it's not the worst. Um, but yeah, they have won a lot of those uh, second matchups against against the Cowboys. And, yeah, but. I think they're going to have to really pay attention to Amari Cooper and then see if, if I had it my way, I'd put Janoris Jenkins on Cooper with a little bit of help up top. And then I'd let Baker battle it out with Michael Gallup. 
Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see Baker match up because if he gets on Cooper, that's that's a fun matchup I want to see. You know, it, let's Baker is a first round draft pick. You know, I've got high expectations for him. I, I do think he is a tremendous player too. So I'm excited to see if he does get any one on one situations with Amari Cooper and just how he handles them. That scares me a little bit personally because of all the, you know, fancy stuff that Cooper is able to do underneath. I mean, like down the field, I, I wouldn't be so worried about that. But a lot of the time in training camp, Golden Tate would really like have his way with Baker within five yards and, you know, be able to get some run after the catch. So, you know, just with that kind of stuff, I worry. But, you know, Baker is a prospect. That was never going to be his best part of his game. He's always going to be, you know, probably more of a guy like Jenkins. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, Amari Cooper is an excellent out route runner. Um, he does a lot of shifty things underneath, like you said, to free himself open. And so, yeah, it could definitely be a bad matchup for DeAndre Baker to be on Amari Cooper. But it's week one, and I'm just excited to watch Baker actually get that matchup because it's been long wait. I've just been waiting and anticipating to see these players play, and that'll be a real test because if somehow DeAndre Baker does happen to shut down Amari Cooper underneath, then maybe our expectations need to be even higher for this kid. Yeah, I mean, it is possible. Yeah, I mean, stranger things have happened. I know, obviously, we think of strange... um, Giants-Cowboys matchups, we can look back at 2016, the second meeting when, um, what were they, 13-1 and one at that point, something crazy, and then the Giants ended up taking them down off of that Odell slant pass, yeah, that was awesome moment. Yeah, that was unbelievable, I was, I was there for that game, and man, that was, that was brutal, that was maybe like, maybe like 15 degrees, but it was like it's... slushy snow, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. They had to uh, they had to go over the field a couple times before the game, but uh, yeah, that was an exciting one though. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know that's pretty much the matchup that they're looking at. Uh, you know, Dak is obviously a decent quarterback. I mean, I don't know if anyone really wants to debate how great he is. I mean, maybe we could find that out when he doesn't have all the luxuries around him that he has, but. We'll probably get together one more time to talk about this matchup before before Sunday. So before then, um, just enjoy enjoy the week of practice, everybody. And Anthony, is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, uh, I want to say I'm really excited for fantasy football this year. I know Christian, you and I are in a league, and I got to say that draft. I think I absolutely crushed it. How do you feel about uh, your draft in that league? <laughs> I feel the same way because uh, I got Brandon Cooks in the fourth round, which isn't like a massive drop for him, but he's a top 15 wide receiver in fantasy football, so that's still a value. And then I got Marlon Mack in the fifth round. Uh, I don't know how that happened because usually when your really good quarterback you know, isn't there anymore, like, yeah, your offense isn't quite as good, but you also become more of the centerpiece of the offense. I mean, Mac shouldn't be anything under 20 touches a game, and I just got him in the fifth round. 
Yeah, that was a steal, but I personally was trying to stay away from Mac because I saw a statistic where his his um his yardage and touchdown totals when they were winning games, which they were doing a lot last year, obviously because of Andrew Luck. When they were winning, he was scoring a lot of fantasy points, but when they were losing, it, it was like obviously inverse operation, whatever. But I just don't think they're going to be winning a lot this year now that um, Andrew Luck just retired out of the blue. So I was a little wary of uh, Marlon Mack, so I stayed away from him. But my team's looking really good. I got Josh Jacobs in the flex position, so my running backs are pretty solid. I got McCaffrey and Damian Williams. I'm just a little nervous that Damian Williams might lose some snaps now that they got LaShawn McCoy, but I'm still pretty confident. I think he's going to have a good year anyway. He should at least still be a factor in the offense. But the one thing I do want to say about Mac is uh, the the Colts head coach mentioned how he wanted to be less predictable with his running backs because Naheem Hines was obviously like the strict passing down back. So I think we're going to see a little more of that out of Mac. But uh, why don't you let me know about one of your uh, later round later round picks that you're excited about? Yeah, I mean, there's a few, but definitely Austin Eckler is the one that I'm most excited about. I, I think, obviously, it looks like Melvin Gordon isn't going to be playing for the Chargers this year. I do think that he's going to end up getting traded, but that's kind of just like a guess. He could end up sitting out the whole year, and regardless, I just don't think Melvin Gordon's going to play for the Chargers, and Austin Eckler is going to be their starter. And when Eckler got his playing time last year, he was really good, and I think it's just going to be more of the same this year. I think him as a full-time starter is just going to be, I think it's going to end up being a steal for me in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, no matter what he does on the ground, he's probably catching at least four passes per game. That's really the way Melvin Gordon was so effective in fantasy football. One of my late-round picks I really liked was Sterling Shepard because I see him catching at least 80 passes this year, at least 900 yards. You know, he he's uh, the red zone target leader in the last two years when he's healthy for Eli. So I think in the ninth round I'm taking that all day. Yeah, that's a great pick, and obviously I hope for the giant season that it is a great pick even if you beat me in a fantasy game at some point because of it because i'm really excited for shep too and i hope that he has a big year yeah absolutely um all right yes that's just a little little uh something on our empire sports media league maybe next year we'll work on doing a listeners league with some of our hosts yeah that would be awesome definitely all right, everybody. Well, make sure you go to EmpireSportsMedia.com to check out your daily New York sports news. And we'll have some updates on practice throughout the week. And, Anthony, is there anything else you wanted to say before we before we go? Yeah, just follow us on Twitter. It's the best place to interact with us, to see all of our articles. We love talking football with everybody on Twitter. I'm at Anthony underscore Rivardo, and Christian is at NFL, And also... Another shout out to Danny King, who was nice enough to join us this week. Uh, he's at Danny King NFL, so go give him a follow too. Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate having him. All right, everybody, we'll check in with you later than the week in the week, and have a good one.